that was so powerful. Honestly, it was so powerful in the room. Josh, Alex, thank you so much. I hope you at home had such an incredible time of worship the same way we did here. Holy Spirit present with you and you're just worshiping at the top of your voice. Listen, I want to welcome Arise. It's great to have you with us uh, on this live stream today. Really, it's amazing to have you part of uh, what's happening here. And it's just an honor for us to all be virtually worshiping together. So it's, it's great. And uh, yeah, I just want to encourage us this morning. Because God's moving. I just want to declare life. Declare God's life over everyone. And with that life comes healing. It comes restoration. It comes light into the darkness. Things that were gray, bringing color back to them. And, you know, over the areas of your life right now where maybe you've been lacking hope or lacking joy, I just want you right now to declare God's life. If there's areas in your life that you need healing, if there's friends or family you know that need healing, declare God's life, declare his healing over those situations. Let's partner with God in what he wants to bring about. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And we have the privilege as his disciples of partnering with him in the destruction of the works of the enemy. We know the present circumstances are not from God. They're, the reality is, they're the reality of our fallen world that we live in. And so we can be declaring you know, God's intention for healing of this earth, God's intention for the destruction of the coronavirus, God's healing over people's bodies, God's healing over our economy, God's healing over our finances. So let's just take a moment right now where you are with your families or, or if you're alone, whoever you're with, and just start declaring that over situations. Yeah, that's great. Just keep going. Just keep declaring. Just keep speaking his life, his truth over these things. Yeah. Lord, I thank you that you've been protecting this community. I thank you that we've had very few job losses amongst people, that we've had very little sickness amongst people. I thank you that those that were sick, that are, they are recovering, Lord. I thank you for your financial protection over people and that we are able to trust in you for everything that we need. Thank you, Jesus. To the end of the day, we're living for eternity, not just for this life. And we thank you for your protection in this life, but even more so, we thank you that our names are written in the book of life because we are your disciples. And we just, we want to live for you, Jesus, in every single way. Uh, well, for those that are, weren't with us right at the beginning, I just want to let you know that we're going to be doing communion after, after I give the message this morning. So if you don't have uh, some juice and, and, or wine and bread of, available to you, any type of drink and anything, bread, crackers, whatever you want to use, uh, go grab some now so that you've got it ready at the end. Also want to let you know that uh, Dan Moeller... You know, right now, we're not sure what's going to happen. So we've suspended ticket sales for that at this moment in time. Just to be proactive so we don't uh, have people uh, having to deal with all the refunds and things along those lines if it can't go ahead at the end of June. We are, we are trusting that, you know, we will be able to go ahead, but we're being proactive and going, mm, let's just, 
let's just be wise in how we do this. So what will happen is the early bird rate, whenever we can put the tickets back on sale, they'll go back on sale at the, at the early bird rate when we can confirm that we either are going with this date or if we have to reschedule another date. So you'll notice that uh, the, the ticket sales for that aren't happening at this moment in time just want to encourage, it's amazing just hearing the testimonies out of life groups and just people continuing to get together, hearing the amazing stuff happening with youth and with kids ministry and, and in our prayer meeting and people just getting together. It's awesome just to see people continuing with the discipleship material. And it's an amazing time for us to grow as a people and as a community. And so keep going, you know, use this time, use where, where life is slowed down a bit. Use this time really to be pressing into God. If you're in one of the groups studying the discipleship material, just to study it that much more in depth and to be using this time as well just to really be intimate with God, really allowing him into your life, just growing in prayer, growing in your reading of scripture, growing in your resting in him and just letting him speak to you and minister to you and be there for you. Today, as as we do the message, we're going to talk about hope and we're going to talk about our beliefs and and these are such a, a key thing for us. So I'll I'll get into the message uh, right now. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much. (laughs) It's our second week doing this with just five people in the room. And uh, man, this feels a whole lot better than last time. (laughs) Last time we all commented afterwards, just like we had to get through last Sunday because of all the last minute changes. But we feel a little bit more natural today. I hope, you know, it's been a couple of weeks now of this new normal for us as a community. I hope you're falling into different new rhythms. And I know for yourself, I'm not sure for yourself, for me, I've realized there's, there's some of these, you know, new rhythms that I want to establish. And just the, I, I don't like change. And so it's sometimes really difficult for me to establish these new rhythms. So I just want to encourage you to keep pressing in and to keep going with, uh, with establishing new rhythms. What do you want your life to look like when this time is over? How do you want your relationship with God to be? Establish those rhythms in your life right now. You know, establish times with your family. If you have kids, what a great time for you to be regrouping as a family, regrouping, spending time reading the Bible together, spending time praying together, spending time worshiping together. You know, you can just download some stuff or, or off of YouTube and be worshiping along with that. You can pull up one of our, our, our videos from, on YouTube from previous weeks and, and, and watch that. There's lots of ways you can be worshiping. If you are musical in any way, you can just be doing worship on your own. That's something I'm looking forward to us as a family uh, being able to do more and more of. And so really, just let's, let's use this time incredibly well. And if you're with us for the first time today, if you, are, if you have never tuned into Lifehouse before, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just want to encourage you that God brought you here today. And I want to encourage you that God's got a plan and purpose for your life. And that maybe in these moments, you're like, I don't, I don't know where to put my hope or my trust. See, there's a lot of shaking that's been going on in the world. And so, you know, people that before, they could put their trust in their ability to produce wealth, their job. They could put their, their trust in their home. They could put their trust in, in their business or put their trust in their investments. Suddenly, we, we, we realize, man, we're not as in control as we thought we were. We don't actually, we're not able to control things as easily as we could. And something as small and simple as a virus can throw the entire world into chaos. And it's just, it's this reminder for us that we maybe we're not as self-sufficient as we think we are. And we don't have it all together the same way that we think we do. 
I think a lot of people, especially in the Western world, have seen, uh, seen themselves as people that didn't need God. They had no need for God. They could provide for themselves. They had everything they needed. Why, why do they need God? But it's in moments like this where we, we come to really understand our need for God. Where we come to really understand that there's something bigger than us. And it's been amazing just, you know, I, I know for myself, I've heard a lot of people talking about fear and anxiety. And I'll be honest with you, there's been no fear and anxiety for me in this, in this time at all. Because I know that God is bigger than all this. He did not cause it, but he is more than capable of, of breaking through these situations, helping us through these situations, and being there with us through these situations. And so I want to encourage you that if if you are in a place of fear and anxiety and you don't know Jesus, this might be a time to really be inviting. It's not just might be. It is a time to be inviting God in. Scripture tells us that Jesus died for the whole world. You know, it wasn't just a few people. He died for the whole world. That means that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can enter into that relationship. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't, he's not rejecting you. He's not going, it's too late. He's not going, you're too far gone. He's like, no, I died for you. And I, I died so that you would be in a relationship with God. It would be possible for you to be in a relationship with God. It would be possible for you to experience the joy and the benefits that come from that relationship and the peace and love that comes from that relationship. From that knowing that God, who is so much bigger than us, who created the universe, cares about you. And that he is able, he's able to come into your circumstances and bring you peace and bring you joy and bring you hope in the midst of everything that's going on. So we're going to look at some scriptures today. We are going to uh, just spend a bit of time today uh, being encouraged and really getting hold of our beliefs. Because even as Christians during this time, we, we can, uh, you know, our beliefs can get attacked. And we can be in a place where suddenly you know, we're, we're doubting or suddenly we're just, our thoughts are going on to things that aren't God or are not godly thoughts and, and cause anxiety and cause fear and cause doubt. So I want to start with a scripture from Romans 15 verse 13. It says here that may the God who gives hope fill you with great joy. May you have perfect peace as you trust in him. May the power of the Holy Spirit fill you with hope. And that is what God does. He fills us with joy. He gives us perfect peace as we trust in him. And the power of the Holy Spirit fills us with hope. It's not something we have to fill ourselves with. It's something we can ask God for in these times. If you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with those things, trust in him. Trust in Jesus to give you hope. Trust in Jesus to uh, be able to answer your prayers in these times. It's so important for us that we walk in our identity of who we are as children of God. You know, each and every one of us, we're a child of God. Each and every one of us, we have been saved by the grace of God. Each and every one of us that has put our trust in Jesus, our hope is in him, not in our own abilities. So that means as we go through something as cataclysmic as a, a, a global you know, social isolation and the economy shutting down all around the world, slowing down around the world, we're not trusting in our own abilities. We're thankful and praying for our governments, but we're not even trusting in them. We're putting our hope in God. We're putting our hope in his ability to get us through, his ability to protect us, his ability to, to make a way that as we keep our eyes on him, he's able to show us the way forward and help us get through these difficult times. 
I want to turn, we're going to get us all turned to, we're going to put it up on the screen here, Romans 5, verses 1 to 5, and I really want to bring us through these scriptures. In five, Romans 5, verse 1, it says, we've been made right with God because of our faith. Now we have peace with him because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus, we've received God's grace. In that grace, we stand and are full of joy because we expect to share in God's glory. And that's not all. We're full of joy even when we suffer. We know that our suffering gives us the strength to go on. The strength to go on produces character and character produces hope. And hope will never let us down. God has poured his love into our hearts. He did it through the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. Now it says some really important things in this scripture. In verse 1 where it starts off, it says that it starts off by saying we've been made right with God because of faith. And that's, it's really important that we start there. Because we start in a place of faith. We're not made right with God by our works, not by our abilities. We're not made right because we've got it right. We've been made right with God because we put our faith in Jesus Christ as the son of God who came and died as the savior to the world and he died and he rose again. And that his death and resurrection paid the price once and for all for our sins. It's ended the separation between us and God. And what sin is, sin is simply the, the things we do that fall short of God's ways. The things we do in disobedience to me, whether intentional or unintentional, the things that kept us separate from God. We no longer are kept separate from God by our sins if our faith is in Jesus. We are made right with him simply by faith. That's the gift of grace. Our job is to put our faith and trust in him. Our job is to make him Lord of our lives. And we do that by putting our faith in what Jesus has done. Faith that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, that he's real, that he is the son of God. He's part of the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, that he's powerful, alive today, and working in each and every one of our lives. That's where our faith is. And so if your faith is in a big God, your faith is in Jesus, your faith is in the fact that he died for your sins, then you can stand firm today on that faith. You can stand firm today knowing that even if you've messed up in some way, even if you've made mistakes before or in this season, that the grace of God through Jesus Christ is more than enough for you. It's more than enough for you. That he cares for you as an adopted child. You are a son and daughter of God in and that means he, all the things that were available to Jesus are available to you. The same trust that Jesus had in his father to provide, that same trust is available to you. Because God doesn't treat Jesus differently. The father doesn't treat the son differently than he treats his adopted children. And as an adopted child into God's kingdom, you will not be treated differently. You can trust in him for provision. You can trust in him for peace. You can trust in him for joy in this time. Everything you need is available to you by faith. And this, this, this process that we're going through, this thing we're being refined in is faith in this time. That our trust and our faith is not in ourselves, it's not in our ability, it's not in our jobs, it's not in our economy, it's not in any of those things. But our trust and our faith is in Jesus Christ. It's in God and the fact that he is the creator of the world. That's where our faith has got to lie. And that's the hope we bring. That's the message of hope. That's the message of hope we have for our friends and for our families, for, for neighbors. A hope that God is bigger than all of this. That he's not thrown by all of this. And he's quite capable of helping us through. 
He's quite capable of being there with us. He's quite capable of giving us everything we need to persevere through difficult times. That's where we get into verse 2 here. Through faith in Jesus, we've received God's grace. In that grace we stand, we are full of joy because we expect to share in God's glory. We have a share in God's glory. (laughs) We expect that. We're not living just for this world. You know, the amazing thing is if something happened to me and I died tomorrow, you know, well, I I live, you know, if I I live, I live for Christ, but if I die, it's gain. You know, I don't want to die tomorrow because I don't want to miss my family or, uh, you know, but to be with Jesus, amazing. And we have to have a perspective that our life is so much bigger than where we are here and now. It's so much bigger than what's going on in, in, our, in our earthly life. But we live for, with eternal perspective. We live here and now, here on earth as it is in heaven. We live with an expectation that, that the things of heaven are available to us here on earth right now. We're not waiting to go to heaven to live in God's presence, to live in his grace, to live in his glory. But we know it'll be so much more glorious when we get there. We know we only live in a shadow of that at this moment in time. But that right here, right now, we're in this amazing place with Jesus. When we have everything available to us right here and now. And that's why we can be filled with joy. We can rejoice because God's with us. We can rejoice because God's got a plan. We can rejoice because he's here. And now, when we look at at verse 3, and it says, and that's not all. We're full of joy even when we suffer. We know that our suffering gives us the strength to go on, and the strength to go on produces character. Character produces hope. That strength to go on, as it's translated, I'm using the New International Reader's Version, just a simple translation so that those that are, are listening, you know, that online can, can follow along well, those that maybe are, are hearing the Bible for the first time are able to grasp it well. In other translations, we use the word perseverance. And that's the thing, right? Perseverance produces character in our lives. Character, by its very nature, is where hope comes from. Because our character is what gives us the ability to stand unshakingly on the truths of Scripture. That we have an integrity in how we live and knowing, no, regardless of what's going on around us, I'm standing in who I am in Jesus. My trust is on Jesus. It's not in me even. My trust isn't in me. It's not in my abilities. My trust is in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I know that if I, if I, in this time, I just tuck into the shadow of his wing, if I am, am intimate with him in this time, if I'm listening to him, I'm letting him guide me and lead me, that he can lead me through everything. And he can lead me through it with joy and peace. It doesn't mean we may not go through hard times. It doesn't mean we won't suffer. It doesn't mean we won't experience loss, but it means that as we're going through all of those things, that we're able to go through them with a supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding and that we're able to go through them in a place of hope. Verse five, and hope will never let us down. God has poured his love into our hearts. He did it through the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. And that's it. When we see hope in the Bible, it's not, it's not this idea of like, well, I'm kind of hoping that something happened the way we use it today, where it's like, it might happen, it might not, but I, I kind of want the best outcome, but I'm not really sure. When we see this word hope in the Bible, it should be defined as a confident expectation. So it means our hope is we are assured 
When we are confidently expectant that the out of the outcome, when we put our hope in Jesus, we are confidently expectant that we will have eternal life. When we put our hope in Jesus, we are confidently expectant that we're going to grow in character, in perseverance. We're going to grow in hope. We're going to grow in joy. We're going to grow in peace. And that only happens when our hope is firmly and securely on Jesus Christ, recognizing him as the creator of the universe and one who died for us and who cares for us and who loves us. And so our beliefs are so important. And we're talking about hope and our hope being on Jesus. Our beliefs have got to be rock solid on this. You see, Christian life is really shaped primarily by what we believe. It's not necessarily by what we do. Our, our actions flow out of our beliefs. But we can go about doing all kinds of different things, but our, you know, doing all kinds of actions, but our beliefs not actually being there. There was a time in my life where you know, I would do the right thing. I would do what I thought was expected of me as a Christian. But at the end of the day, there was, my beliefs were really messed up. And I was trying to do the right thing. But even though I was trying to do the right thing, I, I didn't necessarily really trust in the outcome. You know, I was doing sometimes the right thing for the wrong reason. That's why our beliefs are so absolutely essential. Is what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about these circumstances is really important. You know, many times you'll see preachers online that are talking or, or you'll know, read things or articles, stuff, and talking, oh, this is the end times. Well, you know, every time we go through trouble, people are like, oh, this is the end times. And we've got to live the way that Jesus told us and that we do not know when the end times are, which means this could be the end times. It could be the world is going to end tomorrow. It also could be that the world is going to go on for another thousand years. And Jesus said, we will not know. We will not know. And so a real proper, biblical, faithful understanding is that we do not know when the end will come. It could be tomorrow. So we got to live our lives in a way that honors God because our life could be asked of us tomorrow. You know, and we've got to also live with that, that life could go on, this world could go on for thousands and thousands of more years. So those two things are so important to keep and hold intention in our beliefs. You know, it's why our beliefs have got to glisten with hope. They've got to be filled with hope. Francis Fragapan in his book, The Three Battlegrounds, says that every area of your life that is not glistening with hope reveals that you are believing a lie. And that area of your life is a stronghold of the devil. And that, this, this word stronghold is an important word. Because uh, we have these strongholds in our mind. They're actually in our thoughts. Now, a stronghold is a fortress. You know, if you talk about a stronghold, in other terms, talking about a military, there's a military stronghold. And it was, it was a, a stronghold would be something that people would go and they would hide behind so that they could be protected. Strongholds in our thinking, they, they cause us to hold on to particular beliefs. And often they cause us to continue to believe lies. I was, I was talking to someone this week, and they were talking about the fact that, you know, just because of their upbringing, there were certain things that they believed. And that was really a stronghold in their life that they were experiencing. And so, you know, as I was talking to them, I just kept talking to them about the truth, that what they were believing wasn't the truth, and this is what the truth was. And that's where reading the Bible comes in, and it's so important that we understand the truth. Because we can have so many strongholds in our mind, so many strongholds in our life that keep us from having hope in this season. 
If you haven't known Jesus, you probably have a lot of strongholds in your mind. Maybe you even have strongholds in your mind that say, God can't be real. You know, maybe you have strongholds in your mind that say, well, if God was real, he would just stop this virus right here and now. Now, we've got to have a proper perspective of God. Because God's given us this, uh, this free will. And so he allows the world and people in the world to make choices. And our choices are not always good. They don't always line up with God. We also live in a fallen world that is decaying. And so things like viruses like this can happen. Wars can break out. There can be poverty. There can be all these things because God's given us free will. He doesn't control us. But what he says to us is that we can, we can come into his protection. We can come into this place of intimacy with him where those things have less of an effect on us. It doesn't mean we won't be affected by them. You know, if the economy completely crashes, it doesn't mean that every person that's a believer in Jesus is not going to experience any difficulty. It just means that we're going to have a path through with God, full of joy, full of peace, where, you know, regardless of what's going around us, we're able to, to be protected by him. That protection is going to look differently for different people and in different ways. But the amazing thing about being in a community of people is where we're not just, you know, reliant on us and Jesus. We're relying on a community around us as well. That's why we've been saying to people, listen, if, if you have a need in this time, if you lose your job, please let us know. You know, let your life group leader know if you're in a group, you know, make sure the information comes back to us at, at the info at lifehouse.ca or give us a call because we want to know because we want to be able to help in any way that we can. I don't know that we'll be able to meet every single need, but we'll do whatever it is that God tells us to do. You know, the amazing thing is that I've been talking to people and just hearing from people just, you know, where they've had a need, where they had a need for groceries and, and just suddenly God put them on uh, someone else's heart and they sent them money or gave them groceries. There's been needs in other areas and people just meeting those needs in the most amazing ways. And so, you know, a lot of needs will get met without us, you know, me having to get involved or the office having to get involved. But you know, we want to know what's going on so that w no one falls through the cracks in this time. Because that's what community is. And that's, you know, our hope in Jesus is us living in obedience, living in community, living by his ways. And, and then, you know, it's, we're able to help one another because our focus is him, not ourselves. So as, as we're dealing with some of these lies that we may believe, lies about God, you know, we've, we've got to repent. Now, that word repentance is so associated with people like, oh, that means me crying in tears and, oh, I, I did this terrible thing and, I, you know, God is so angry with me and I've got to just, you know, now cry out to God in repentance. That, that doesn't sound very hopeful, does it? And repentance really is about, is about you know, to be defined as, as doing a 180 degree turn. You were walking one way and now I'm walking another way. Most of repentance is actually happens in our mind. There are times where we realize, we come to realization that we're doing something that is, is wrong, that is, that is unhelpful to us, that goes against the way that God taught us to live. And that repentance that we do is an acknowledgement and owning of the fact that that is wrong. And then it's a, a relearning, a retraining of our thinking and our ways so that we can live in a different way. And we have, you know, wrong beliefs about ourselves. We have wrong beliefs about other people. We have wrong beliefs about God that we have, that can become these strongholds that we have to deal with in our thinking and that we, we break down and repent of and learn to think in a different way. John 8 verses 31 to 32 
Jesus was saying to a group of people, he said to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's, that's a beautiful thing, right? As we know God's word, as we know Jesus' teaching, that's why I've been saying in these times to our community, read the gospels, read what Jesus taught, read the way he taught us to live. Because as we allow that to be massaged in our heart, as we allow that to shape our thinking, it breaks down strongholds in our mind. It teaches us to live in, in the ways of the kingdom, to live in his ways. It teaches us how, you know, we honor God with our thoughts, with our bodies, with our love. It teaches us how to not live for ourselves, but to live for others. And it allows us to live in a place of incredible hope, a place of incredible joy. And so in this time of social distancing, you know, where we have a little bit more time on our hands, really dig into the Gospels, dig into what Jesus taught, be able to stand firmly on his words. Because when you know that truth, that truth will set you free. That will set you free. And it sets you free of so many things. It sets us free of anger. It sets us free of competition. It sets us free of jealousy. It sets us free of fear. It puts our worries not on the things of this world. And it takes us out of the place of worry and puts us in a place of trust of, in God and knowing that he cares about all and every single one of our needs. It gives us eternal perspective. That's what Jesus did. He taught us the most incredible things. He taught us to live in the most amazing of ways. So allow that truth to come in, to break down the strongholds in your mind about God. If you are not a Christian, I, I, I urge you to read the words of Jesus. I invite you, if you have questions, email into us at info at lifehouse.ca. Call us at our office number. You can look up all that info on our website, lifehousechurch.ca. You know, we will we'll disciple you through this time. If you want to get to know Jesus, we can do that virtually through Zoom meetings. We can, we can help you in any way that you need in this time. We want to be there for you. And we want you to be able to put your same hope and trust in Jesus that, and where we have our hope and trust. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, he said, I do, not live in the I do live in the world, but I don't fight my battles the way the people of the world do. He said, the weapons I fight with are not the weapons the world uses. In fact, they're the opposite. My weapons have the power of God to destroy the camps of the enemy. Again, I'm reading from the New International Reader's Version. If you're reading in the New International Version or most other versions, it would say the weapons that have the power of God to destroy strongholds or break down strongholds. It goes on and says, I destroy every claim and every reason that keeps people from knowing God, and I keep every thought under control in order to make it obey Christ. And this is where our battle lies most of the time. It's in our mind. You know, we have the word. We have truth to stand on. We have Jesus' words to stand on so that they would become our truth. They would become our reality. They would become how we live. You know, that we would get to know God. Really know him as the good father as he is, as the protector as he is. If you get to know him as the one who is able to provide, who's able to take care of us, who's able to give us joy and peace in this season. This is 
We're told in scripture as Christians, we've got to be able to tell people where our hope lies. We've got to be able to testify to why we have hope. And what a time when we get to testify to people. I'm sure you have work colleagues, you have friends, you have family that you can be testifying and be able to talk about why you have hope. But our strongholds, if, if, if you're in this place today where you're like, I don't know that I have hope, then, then I encourage you to go to the words of Jesus, go to scripture, you know, spend time with God so that he can fill you with truth so you can stand on hope because standing on truth will always break down strongholds. It will always allow us, bring us into a place of freedom. It'll always allow us to persevere and develop our character and give us what we need to get through. This is real spiritual warfare. You know, so much is, is done in the name of God that we don't see in the Bible. A lot of the stuff is called spiritual warfare today, you're not going to find it anywhere in Scripture. Or you're going to find someone taking something from the Old Testament and misinterpreting it or, or bringing it into the New Testament in a way that goes against what Jesus taught. You never saw Jesus doing half the things that get done today. So it's, it's really important that we understand spiritual warfare for what it is. It's, it's our thinking. It's the thinking of other people. It's a standing in faith, believing in who Jesus is, in confident expectation. It's a standing in our identity as children of God, as adopted children of God. It's as knowing real truth. And I, was, I was listening to a testimony from someone, and, and, and they were saying that, you know, like using an example of going to a prayer meeting, said, you know, what we believe after the prayer meeting, after we minister, is at least equally important, if not more important, than what we believe when we're under the anointing of that meeting. This person said, I'm more interested in what I'm saying two hours from now. Because two hours from now is who I really am. That's true, right? You can go in a prayer meeting and people are, are, are again, if, you're, if you haven't experienced this, then that's fine. But sometimes you can go into a time of prayer and people are yelling at the top of their lungs and they're, they're fervently praying. They are, they're, you know, very intensely praying. But then two hours later, it's like they never were in that prayer meeting. It says in the book of Isaiah, there's this time where, where in the book of Isaiah, it, it talks about the fact that you know, these people, they were fasting and they were praying and they'd been doing this. And they're like, God, wh- you know, we're, we're fasting and we're praying. Why aren't you answering our prayers? And, he, and through the prophet Isaiah, he said to the people, he said, well, you're fasting and praying, but then you're going out and you're treating people unjustly. You're fighting, you're quarreling, you're, you're living in completely ungodly ways. Do you, do you really think that I'm interested in that time of fasting and prayer, but not interested in how you live the rest of your life. How we live on a day-to-day basis is, is where we'll be in this place of hope. You know, again, our actions are not what saves us, but our actions are, come from our heart, and they really demonstrate where our level of faith actually is. They demonstrate where we are in our relationship with God in our maturity. And again, God's not going, well, see, you're not very mature, so I cast you out. But he he is inviting you to grow. He's inviting you and saying, hey, yes, you stand here by grace through faith. But if you have real faith in me, if you have faith in Jesus, then you will grow. You will change. And he's inviting us, especially in this time where life around us is slowed down. This is a time where we can grow exponentially as his church. We can grow exponentially in our relationship with God. We can really allow him in to refine our character, but most importantly, just to change our beliefs. 
Probably the biggest lie that many of us believe is that we can't change or that we don't need to change. I'm going to say that again. Probably one of the biggest lies that we believe is either that we can't change or that we don't need to change. The truth is, is that in our relationship with God, we're constantly being transformed into the image of Christ. His, he's being formed within us. That means our character, our ways that we live are constantly being changed so that we reflect God more and more and more. I want to be more godly. I want to reflect Jesus more tomorrow than I did today. And I hope next month, next year, five years from now, I'm just constantly growing, going from glory to glory, as Scripture says, as I take on more and more of the character of Christ, as I grow in understanding the truth of who he is and who I am in Jesus. And that's the same for every single one of us. You know, it says in Scripture that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, this world, if the world without God is founded on pride. It functions on pride. And when we live from the flesh, any area of our life that is still, we're still living from the flesh in, it is, we're still living from a place of pride. And so in, in those areas, we're going to struggle for breakthrough until we're really willing to submit them to God. But here's the thing about hope. Hope we, that we have, the confident expectation that we have, is that as we invite Jesus into those things, as we're honest with God and saying, I need your help. Maybe I'm struggling with pride, or maybe I'm struggling with a particular area of sin, or I'm struggling with these thoughts. That I have a confident expectation, Jesus, that as I invite you into those things, you're going to help me change. You're going to help me grow. You're going to help me and, and you, as a good father, are not looking down on me going, I'm so disappointed in you. You better get it together. Come back to me when you get it together. You're going, it's my pleasure, my son, my daughter, to train you in righteousness, to train you to walk in my ways. Thank you for inviting me in. Thank you for letting me into this area of your life. I know you've been struggling here. I've been waiting for you to invite me in so that I can help you with this thing. I've been waiting so that, you know, for you to let go and let me in to help you, lead you from here to here. No, I'm not disappointed in you. Keep your eyes on me because my life I have for you is so much greater than the life that you're living right now. And that's for every single one of us today. What we say about ourselves, what we say about our circumstances, what we say about others, what we say about our future, that is where our faith is. And so, I really want you to examine what you, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about others, what you believe about your circumstances, and what you believe about your future. And actually, I want to correct something I just said. I don't want you to examine it. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit in. <laughs> like, God, show me where my beliefs don't line up with yours. Show me where I need to change how I think. You know, because we want to line up our words, our beliefs, our thoughts with his ways. I'm going to finish with a story, and it's a story from the Bible. Because, you know, whatever we believe, it's what we'll live in. Whatever we believe, we're going to live in. So if, if we don't have hope, we're going to live without hope. But if we have trust in Jesus, we will believe, we will live from hope. You know, we see in the Old Testament where 
they had, where God led through Moses, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt and was leading them into the promised land. And it was supposed to be a short journey. It was supposed to be a journey of weeks, not years. And God did all these miracles. He did these amazing things in demonstrating to them that he was there. He led them. He provided a cloud cover for them during the day and a, a pillar of fire for them to follow at night. So he provided warmth at night for them with this pillar of fire. He provided shade from the sun as they walked through the desert during the day. He provided them with food, with manna. He provided them with everything they need. And, and the circumstances that they left Egypt from, they left wealthy. They left blessed from Egypt and went into the desert. But they continually didn't put their faith in God. So the, the, the wealth that they left from Egypt with, when, when Moses went up on a mountain to be with God and he didn't return as quickly as they thought he would, well, they, they took all their wealth and they made a golden calf to worship. They didn't put their faith in God. It's like, oh, things aren't working the way I'm expecting. And so their beliefs, their fears caused them to take the wealth that God had blessed them with and make a golden calf out of it to try to worship that. They literally worshipped their wealth. But they, they, they destroyed their wealth in the process. And then as they're on this journey, God, God still, even though they did that, he still walked with them and worked with them and was bringing them into the promised land. And he, he got them to where they were to go up into the promised land. And they sent spies into the land to go out and see and just to see what was going on in the land. And those spies came back and they came back without faith and without hope. They looked at the people in the land. They saw that they were strong. They saw fortified cities. They saw that some of them were giants. And the conclusion of 11 of the, tw of the 12, or inclusion of a group of the spies, was that we can't do this. We will not succeed. We will not succeed. There's only two that stood up and said, no, we can do this. We can do this. But the people listened to the 10 that said, we won't succeed. Now, God had told them he was going to lead them into the land. God had told them he was going to go before them. God told them he was going to make a way. But they didn't trust God. They didn't trust that God would do what he said he would do. And so they refused to go into the land that God had promised them. They refused to go in it. And this story is so important to us today. Because we can walk this time out in a place of faith where our trust is in God. Or we can go, oh no, you know, God isn't going to be here. He's not going to protect me. Where he says that we're not to worry. You know, where he says he gives us the ability to produce wealth. Where he says that he's our protector. Where he says he's our healer. I just don't trust that. I don't know if I can stand on that truth. And then we become double-minded, the same as all those people did. Those, we know, if you know the story... Because they wouldn't go up into the land, they ended up in the desert for 40 years. And all the people that refused to go into the land, they died in the desert. It was their children that entered into the promised land. What we believe, where we put our faith, where we put our hope, you know, it determines the outcome of so many things. And most importantly, for each and every one of us, 
It determines where we spend eternity. And so I want to encourage you, put your faith in Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Let your hope continue to grow. Let your beliefs, the strongholds in your mind that hold you back from living in the fullness of who God's made you to be, be broken down today. Invite him into your heart. Invite him into your life. Invite the Holy Spirit in to come and show you where beliefs you have are keeping you from living in everything that God has for you. Because God has made you for such a time as this. He's got much for you. He loves you and he's there for you. We're going to do communion now. So I'm going to invite Alex and Josh to come up. And uh, Alex is actually going to be the one that leads us in communion. So uh, we're going to come and do this together. I'm going to get this out of the way. Thanks, James. I think I really loved that whole thing about uh, he's prepared us for such a time as this. Um, I was thinking about what, how to really lead this. Um, communion has so many different symbols uh, or symbolisms, you know, and I think one thing that I just came to mind, and it's it's part of actually Matthew 26, um, it says, uh, this is a reminder of also our unity. Yeah. I, uh, you know, when God rose and ascended into heaven, he created a new humanity. And that new humanity shared this communion all through time. And we do it today. Uh, we will share from the same cup as they did back then. We will, uh, we also share the same bread. And, um, if you really think about it, we are together in this. Um, it, his blood has definitely broken any kind of separation that yeah. as humans we've created. Whether you're male, female, you know, back then it was Jews and Gentiles. I think today, slave or free, doesn't matter. Um, his blood has completely obliterated that. And I think whether you're in your living room and we're here, uh, that's something we can definitely celebrate today. Um, so I'm going to read from, from Matthew um, as, we do the, as we do the communion. So now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. Uh, this is my body. So why don't we take some of the bread and, um, um, yeah, and we'll pray by ourselves here. Father, you uh, take this. Um, allow us to remember your your humanness that is represented by this bread, God, you coming here incarnate, God.
Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks for it, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for this forgiveness, uh, for the forgiveness of sins. And this is what I meant by the community thing. Um, Drink of it, all of you. This community that he's created is independent of time. um, And it's going to go on for forever. And uh, it's a reminder of that, of our unity together. God, thank you so much for your forgiveness that some of us don't even, that all of us don't deserve, God. Your forgiveness is you choosing to not collect on debt that we essentially owe you. Thank you for your love and for how you choose to see us. God, in this time as we are, you know, separated, maybe feeling alone, Father, you come. Fill us. Thank you, God. Alex, thanks so much. Well, that's, that's it for this week. I just want to pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you are with every single person thank you that you're, you're here with us right now in this room and you're in every home, everywhere that people are listening, everywhere people are watching. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're with them. Jesus, I thank you you died for every one of them. Lord, bring them incredible hope. I just pray your protection over our community. I pray your protection over everyone that's listening, that you would, you would be protecting their finances, you'd be protecting their health, you'd be protecting them and their families. We ask all this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Man, great. Listen, have a wonderful week. We'll see you online in the various groups or prayer meeting, and then we'll see you next week. Take care. for you, the dry and the barren will flower and bloom, you're the sun that's shining, you restore my soul, the deeper you call us, oh the deeper